warm hand, come and stand in front of everyone. And then he turned to his critics and he said, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and he was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Isn't that an interesting combination of emotions there? Um, Usually when I am angry, I don't have much sadness in my heart. But but here is, is God's holy anger coupled with this intense sorrow at what he sees. Um, Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. And so the man held out his hand and it was restored. And at once the Pharisees went away and they met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. The kingdom of God is all about perfection and holiness. It's where things are as God intends them to be. It's where God's rule is unswayingly there. It's it's a place where there is no sickness, where there is no sorrow, where there is no tears. It's a place of harmonious relationships between between God and man and man and God and, and sorry, people and God and, and people and people. It's a, it's a place where where things are just right because they are as the Creator intends them to be. Today's uh, passage is set on a Sabbath day, which, which contrary to what a lot of us might think is not a Sunday, it's actually a Saturday. It's, it's a Jewish observance. It, it's a day that spoke of the coming day when one could rest knowing that all was well. In fact, the book of Hebrews speaks about the, the Sabbath rest that awaits us, the time when we, when we will be with God, when the kingdom of God comes to earth and God makes everything new and God's kingdom is the only kingdom that there is. The Sabbath speaks to that. It speaks to perfection. It speaks to things being as God intends them to be. It, it was meant to be a time for, for the Israelites to rest it, it went back to God resting at creation. It, it went back to, to God rescuing them from, from slavery in Egypt. It was a time for them to rest and just relax and trust in God. But, but not only looking back, but looking forward and going, yes, God has rescued us, but God is ultimately going to rescue us and we can trust Him. We don't have to work to survive. We can just rest and trust in our God. A time that was meant to speak of perfection, but in that synagogue, their version of a church, a congregation, there sat a man with a disabled hand. We're not told much about this man, but I think it's fairly safe to say this wasn't the first week that he sat in the synagogue. In those days when you prayed, it was customary to... They must have had different shirts because every time I lift my hands, my shirt goes up. They wore robes. That's why they wore robes, so their shirts didn't lift. So they would lift their hands high into the air, just like this, when they prayed. That was how you prayed. And every time this man would lift his hands into the air, everyone would see this deformed crippled hand 
And every Sunday, which was, well, not every Sunday, every Sabbath day, which was meant to speak of things being as God intends them to be, everyone would look and see this obvious sign of it not being right. The church father, Athanasius, is credited with saying, we don't know if he actually did say it, but, but we think he said it, in the synagogue of the Jews was a man who had a withered hand. If he was withered in hand, the ones who stood by were withered in their minds. This poor man wasn't the object of their concern. In fact, for Jesus' enemies, he was the unwitting pawn in their game. You see, the Jewish law, God's law, prohibited working on the Sabbath. You were meant to, to focus uh, on God, to trust God. In fact, the Sabbath violation carried the same penalty as blasphemy. Death. And there is Old Testament uh, occasion where, where a man picks up firewood and he is killed. And God says, yes, he, mu he must be killed. There is a person not trusting God. The Pharisees, they were a lot like uh, some in the church today. They were a lot like humans. They, they loved dotting every I crossing every T, which is a nice approach, but it's actually an approach to slavery. See, their issue is that they thought that if you do enough, if you dot every T and cross every I, or the other way around, you will get into God's good books. Even if you are merciless towards others. You see, they were, they were dotting the I by being there at the synagogue that day. They were crossing the T when they prayed. They were doing all the right things. And showing no concern for this man. Blaise Pascal said that men never do evil so completely and cheerfully as when they do it from a religious conviction. That sense of self-righteousness. I am doing work for God. God is more important than you. Christians have been known to be no less devoted to what they believe to be what God wants. And Christians have been just as willing to bludgeon anyone who doesn't dot the I's the way that they dot the I's. It's easy to assume that God is, is happy with us if we are doing the right things, if we are going to church, if we're doing our daily devotions, if we're praying, if, we are, if we're doing enough. And let's not talk about how we walk past the poor. Let's not talk about how we ignore the needs we see every day. James, Jesus' brother who who started out not believing Jesus was God and, and turned around, became a very influential man in the church. He said in his letter of James in chapter 1, verse 27, pure and genuine religion is the sight, in the sight of God the Father, means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Caring for orphans and widows in their distress. That's a T we don't cross very much. It's a T... Obviously in the story over here that the Pharisees didn't think was one of the important ones. 
You see, there's no sign in this passage that this man with the deformed hand had a miserable, unhappy life. He's, we're not told that he's a beggar. We're not told that he is destitute. But, but we are told that he had one issue, that his hand wasn't right. That his life wasn't all that it could be. And what Jesus does is he says, come on, come on, get up, get up. And he stands him in the middle of the congregation. And everybody who's been, you know, silently, John's got a weird hand. Not that John, this John in the chair over here at the front. He's got a weird hand. We don't, we don't, we don't talk about it. We, we don't think about it. We just ignore that and we do what God wants of us. But John's a bit weird. Not that John. That John's normal. Sorry, it's just one of those names that pops into my head. <laughs> Wait, where's the other John? Not that John either. <laughs> Jesus forced everyone in that congregation to see this man. Maybe he sat at the back every week. And Jesus calls him to the front and everyone is forced to look on him. And you see, Jesus sees his problem not just as a problem, but in the light of what God intends for humanity. This man, we'll call him John, was a man made in the image of God. He wasn't just another pleb to quietly ignore or even judge. He was valuable to God. Do you know any Johns? I mean, of course you know these two, but do you know any Johns? Which begs the question, what would someone's life be like if the kingdom of God came to them? Remember we said the kingdom of God is where everything is as it should be, where God rules absolutely where there is harmony between God and humans and God and people, where there is no sickness or sorrow or tears or mourning or, or any of that stuff. What would it be like if the kingdom of God came to someone like this John? The church father Chrysostom said that Jesus called the man into the public so they might soften their thinking a bit, but they remained callous and unfeeling. Jesus deliberately provokes them. As I said, this is the only healing that's recorded as being initiated by Jesus. And he wants to confront them with the real issue. It's not, have you dotted the I of I went to church on the Sabbath? I didn't walk more than five miles today. Jesus says, here's the real issue. Is God for health? Or for death? Is God for good or for evil? You see, Jesus doesn't break any of the laws of God. He is God. But Jesus knows the heart behind those laws. Let me say that again. Jesus knows the heart behind those laws. And he says, basically, in chapter 3, verse 4, if I don't heal this man, even on the Sabbath, and by the way, the Sabbath laws allowed you to pull a donkey out if it fell into a hole. If you read the Matthew version of this incident, Jesus 
even mentions that. He says, don't you pull a donkey out if it falls down a hole on the Sabbath? Jesus says, if I don't heal this man today, am I not doing evil? I have the power to heal him. I have the power to show him what it is meant to be. I have the power to bring something of the kingdom of God into this man's life. Would it not be evil of me to look at him and not love him enough to do it? And not love the people there that day enough to show them that this is what the kingdom of God is about. See, it's not just this one man. How could they say that doing something good on the Sabbath day was evil? Jesus' questions aren't about whether people trump God's law, but about God's intentions. And I think this is why he singles out this man to heal on this day. Because he wants us to know God's intentions. It would be evil for him not to let us know God's intentions. The Pharisees thought they knew what God cared about and they thought that was keeping the rules. After all, God gave us the rules. And God, God gave us the rules, yes, but, but behind them, what God really cares for is the well-being of his people. That's why he gave the laws in part to, to show us how we can never reach them, but in part also to say, this is, if you live like this, it will be harmonious. Now, we're sinful. We don't live up to God's laws always, but, and there will be no need of them when the kingdom comes because we will do it by nature. But, but behind them stands the heart of God that says, this is how society is meant to function. Any day of the week, Doing evil is prohibited and doing good is required. That is God's heart. If we are to be disciples of King Jesus, we are called to care about the things that he cares about. To live the imperatives of the kingdom. And the imperatives are, are to see a need and to say, what would it look like if the kingdom of God came to that person? Christians should be marked by their doing good. Jesus said, by this will people know that you are my disciples, by how you love one another. And that's not just a, oh, how are you doing? Let me go and get something. That, that's actually loving. It's not about breaking God's commands, but it is about living them out in love, not legalism. Jesus looks around and he is angry. He's angry that they're, that they're looking to please God. Had actually seen them not caring for what God cares about. I think he's maybe angry because their religious rules offered to God actually make a mockery of the kingdom of God, who they were meant to represent. And he's sad at their hard-heartedness we, we think hard-heartedness means callous and uncaring, but, but, but in Hebrew thought, it's more to do with your, with your thinking about stubbornly refusing and resisting God's purposes. That is hard-heartedness. 
It's the, the opposite of humility and, and being teachable. Jesus' attitude here in that synagogue on that Saturday leaves little room for, for looking good on the outside but actually not caring about others. As his close friend John said, you cannot say you love God if you don't love God's children. If you do, you're a liar. See, this isn't just about rules. This isn't about what am I and aren't I allowed to do. This is about the king enacting his kingdom. Jesus tells the man, stretch out your hand. He does and he is made well. Now you and I can't necessarily heal like Jesus. There are some people who the Spirit has given the gift of healing. Even then, they don't have it on tap. You and I, I certainly don't have the gift of healing others. But if we long for the kingdom, if we, if we cannot wait for the time when things will be as they should be, in us, in this world, in others... then the kingdom of God is not just a nice idea for the future. The kingdom of God acts today. You know, with God's help, we can act to bring about a foretaste of the kingdom. Sometimes, by God's Spirit, we, we can do this. We have people who can heal others by God's Spirit. We can speak a word of knowledge into their life. Other times we can bring a foretaste of the kingdom of God using the gifts, the other gifts that God has given us. In the early church, one of the things that they did was to share all that they had so that everyone had enough. Isn't that something of the kingdom of God breaking through? A kingdom where everyone has plenty, where you don't have to worry about tomorrow. And they cared enough about each other that they said, you know what, I cannot bear the fact that you don't have food for tomorrow because in the kingdom of God there is plenty and I've got and I'm going to share with you because I'm longing for the day when that is ultimate reality for everyone. Can we feed all the world's poor? No. Although actually if everyone in the church gave 10% across the world, we'd eradicate world hunger a few times over, I think. That's a staggering statistic that I read. In fact, I read it just about every year. In the early church, they went out and shared the gospel, even if it saw them being beaten, because they, they knew the kingdom is good news, and they wanted others to know a, a healed relationship with God. They wanted them to know God as King and friend and Lord. Because they looked and they said, I see that you are headed towards an eternity without God. And God's kingdom is where you know God and I want you to know that. They brought something of the kingdom into the lives of those they encountered. We, we can go on. They, they prayed for each other. They supported each other. They were known to love one another. They, they blessed those who cursed them as Jesus told us to do. You see, Jesus says, hold out your hand and he heals this guy. Jesus could heal him 
He saw the need. He saw this is not what the kingdom of God is about. Do we even see the need? And when we see the need, is our first instinct, well, you know, actually I I can't afford to do anything. I have to pick up firewood today. But the Sabbath is all about saying, trust God. Rest in God. Your bank balance will not stretch to help every miserable person in Golden Bay, let alone the world. I'm not talking about everyone. I'm talking about those miserable people. Not even miserable. Those people who just don't have something of the kingdom. Where, where, where you look at them and you go, that's not what God intends. The passage ends with the Pharisees joining with their enemies, the Herodians, to plot against Jesus. Ironically, they complain that he broke the Sabbath, although he hasn't actually broken any rule there. And instead, they go out and they plot evil. We are so holy, we will plot the destruction of an innocent man. Often the kingdom is met with opposition. Often by those in the church who think we've got it all together. I've told the story of uh, uh, my brother-in-law at a previous church, not the one he's at now. He was pastoring there. They had people join the church, living together, became Christians, kids, planning to get married. In fact, the wedding was just a few months down the road. Say to the church, we want... Jesus has changed our lives. We want to become members. And many in the church said, no. They, had, they said, we are, not, we are not even sleeping in the same bedroom because we take seriously that we want to change our lives. And the church said, no. It's possible for us to sing Amazing Grace that saved a wretch like me. Not a wretch like you, a wretch like me. And to see a need and to see a place where the kingdom of God can reach in and show healing. I mean, for that couple, what would it have said about God's kingdom if they looked at them and said, you know, God loves you and you you love God and you want to live your life under God and we want to just show you God's love. And instead they said, we don't think you're a nice person. Do we see with kingdom eyes? Do we want to see the kingdom come in us and to those around us? Will we act? Or will we turn a blind eye? Part of what we're doing today is we've got some ideas on how we can act. One of them that I came across researching for the sermon is a little card like this. It says on the front, this is to let you know that God loves you. 
This is from a church in America where they came up with this idea. And what they would do is they would give them out to everyone in the church. And then the people would look for a chance to show God's love to someone. That could be waiting at the shopping center as you're doing your groceries and saying to the person behind you, you know what, can I just pay for your groceries as well? It could be helping someone out, weeding their yard. It could be going through the coffee drive through if you're a coffee person like me, or buying a coffee and saying, you know what, to the cashier, let me just pay for a coffee for the person behind you. Don't tell them. And then anonymously do, do something if you can. Don't tell them your name. You just give them a card and you just say, you know what, just to let you know, God loves you. You might look at me and go, what a stupid idea. But the, uh, there's a story that I read about a young man who kept being given these cards. And he said, I kept being given these cards. The church in particular there, they, they did car washes as well. They tried free car washes and nobody came. And so they said, well, $1 car washes. And so people came, had their cars washed, they gave him a card and they gave him a dollar and said, God bless you. <laughs> but this guy, four or five cards that he got. He didn't understand why people were doing all these nice things for him. He went to church, became a Christian, and he today, when, when that sermon was written, he was leading a youth group in a neighboring church. You know, we think outreach is just about reading Bible verses to people. The kingdom of God is where things are as God intends them to be. That's an idea. We're going to talk about it at the back. Robin, you've got an idea for us as well. We'll listen to Robin's idea. People who don't know me, Robin, I don't know if I need one of these because being, being a teacher, I can probably yell pretty, pretty loudly. Um, we've got a big community here and it's growing, if you haven't noticed. We've got uh, more and more building happening uh, just on our doorstep. Uh, just Vista, just down the road there, is uh, starting to um, to come along quite nicely with houses already up, and there's going to be inhabitants there very soon. Um, I came to a um, a thought that is a long time coming, and that is uh, working with mums and parents in our community. Um, we've got a lot of parents in this community, and uh, I think. I think there's a, a spot there for us to, um, to just show God's love um, through this church. MOPS is a group that is um, an internationally run organisation 
as opposed to uh, a playgroup which really tends to the needs of um, children more so, uh, MOPS is um, mothers of preschoolers, so it's um, helping mums with children preschooler and under. And it's a group that meets on the same basis as a playgroup, however, instead of the mums having to care for their children, um, their, their children are cared for outside um, by... Uh, willing helpers and the mums are cared for with a couple of hours to spare away from their children just to be them. Uh, MOPS has an Australian uh, state and regional coordinator so it's quite an organisation. Uh, it's not like you start up a MOPS group and you, um, you're, you're left to your own devices to think of everything. There's, um, there's a lot of assistance available. MOPS offers each group uh, training resources, ideas, sharing and most importantly uh, prayerful support. So it's a, it's a whole group of Christian uh, ladies and men who um, support um, mothers. It meets the needs of families by strengthening and supporting the mums and that's their main focus. It delivers a program of friendship, mentoring, skill building and information which is relevant to the mums at that time um, of their life with young children um, in the community. It grows leaders as mums start to take on leadership roles. Supports and empowers biblical principles for the family and it's an opportunity to share Christian faith through actions as well as providing a window into a Christian life so that when the ladies who um, are working as part of the ministry are ministering to the mums from the community, uh, they're, they're seeing um, and experiencing love, they're seeing and experiencing uh, what families can be like um, and they're feeling and experiencing more than we can offer and that's, um, that's Jesus. So what happens at MOPS, just to give you a bit of an understanding of what MOPS does, uh, it's a community, it's open, caring and accepting, so um, it, it's a welcoming for Christian mums, it's a welcoming for those people who haven't been to church for a while, it's a welcoming for those people who have got nothing to do with church, don't ever want to have anything to do with the church at this stage in their life, but it's, it's, it's a giving, it's, a, it's an us giving to whoever comes to our doorstep. It's mentoring, uh, it's Christian, mature Christian women mentoring uh, younger women, which is uh, a biblical principle, as it is for men, um, Christian men mentoring um, young Christian men as well. So we like to uh, keep to that principle. The practical instructions uh, throughout the, um, the group means that there's a, an area within the, the meeting where you... Um, present uh, a speaker, it might be about uh, child rearing, it could be about parenting, it could be about gardening, cooking and it could be about whatever um, is of interest to the mums in this area at that particular time. Uh, it's leadership development, so the, the MOPS is supposed to be mothers of preschoolers for mothers of preschoolers. Well, we have very few mothers of preschoolers here, but we want them. <laughs> um, we want them to be blessed. We want them to be uh, encouraged 
uh, and we've been given a sanction by the MOPS uh, leadership to be able to run a MOPS group with um, the people that we have that will encourage um, mothers to come along and we hope that um, those mothers will, will capture the joy of Christ and become members, um, whether it be this church or another church. We don't care, we just so long as they're members of the body of Christ. But some of those mums uh, will um, become leaders within the MOPS group and then us oldies can, can step back. They get a chance to um, do something creative, so they uh, cre create a, a craft. There's always a craft each week as part of that, which means the children are being looked after. They can actually complete something. As a parent of, of young children, you find it very difficult to, uh, to actually get anything that is something of yours to complete. So there's crafts that, that happen um, that the mums can talk over a cup of tea and, and just create with a lot of laughs and fun. And the Moppets group is the children being cared for um, through craft, Bible studies, play, nurturing uh, and prayer um, by the carers of those children. So not only does this, uh, do we care for the parents, the mums, we also care for the children um, out the back. So it's kind of like a, I was going to say a two-edged sword, but it's, 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 um, you know, it's double-edged for us. Uh, why MOPS here? Well, we have a map there, and I haven't even got everything on there. Um, so there's only two MOPS groups in this vicinity down here. One is Mandra Baptist, which is a fair way from here, and one's at Warmbra Church of Christ. At the moment, there's 25 mums on a waiting list at the Warmbra Church of Christ MOPS group, 25 people. People are travelling from... Port Kennedy, from Golden Bay, from Singleton to get to these other MOPS groups because it's such a wonderful um, environment for mums to be in. They love it. They want to keep coming. Their friends want to join because they feel loved and nurtured and they're okay. There's been three state schools, as you probably already know, that has just opened their jaws in 2015. And they're all within 15 minutes of Golden Bay Baptist Church. The Lakelands one down that way, obviously the Golden Bay, and there's one in Smirk Road um, up that way. They're all um, created this year because the government has seen a need because of the population growth. Uh, there's already existing schools down here. Singleton, Comet Bay, you can read all those. And that's only the primary schools. That's only some of them, and that's not even got any of the daycare centres listed up there. So we have got a huge um, opportunity to impact and empower parents um, through the mums and families. There's a large number of FIFO families. I have worked with fly-in, uh, fly-out parents, um, and there's a lot of mums whose husbands are travelling away. They're away for two, three, four weeks at a time, and the mums are left almost as single parents, to try and care for their children on their own um, for this period of time. They're in desperate need of um, fellowship with, and some caring. Uh, there's migrants without family support here. I don't know if you know, but Mandurah is classed as a rural area, so in order to get longer-term visas down um, for Western Australia or Perth or Australia as such, um, they live here. And so there's a lot of young families without um, 
extended families or even friends. And the ministry to mums will flow incidentally onto the whole family and it complements what the church is looking at with a youth children's pastor and also the existing super club. So we, we, we know that there's a big need already uh, and this is just another way that we can um, meet the needs of the people in this community. So the commitments, which is what everybody needs to know. What do we, what do we got to do about it? We're a small church. Um, we're few in number at the moment. Um, but, but I do believe that we've got a lot of power here. I, I came to this church as um, having not attended church regularly for quite some time. And the minute I stepped in here, I had one lady ask me, it was freezing, it was winter, and we all know this place gets freezing cold in winter. And one of you asked me, I can't remember who it was, did I need a, did I need a rug? And I said, oh, no, here I'm shivering. I said, no, 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 you, know, you, you, don't, you don't accept a rug on the first time at the church. And then Val came up and just popped one on me. <laughs> and I thought, that's, that's great, I love that. I was hooked, I was in. I have felt a member of this, this family, um, this church, since the moment that I stepped foot here. And I really want people around this community to feel the same. I mean, you put your hand up if you have come to this church um, recently and you've felt accepted and loved and like one of the crew, you know. There's quite a few. I know Fran has spoken to me that she felt very um, comfortable here. And, and, you know, I just feel it would be so lovely if, if the people in our community felt that too, if they had an opportunity to feel that love. So um, the MOPS charter, there's a MOPS charter. The church charter has to be signed by the elders uh, and the leadership team. There is a financial commitment. It's $275 per annum. Um, it go, it's a little bit less than that as um, the following year. Um, we need venue hire. We need all those sorts of things that, that you need to... Um, to create an atmosphere where people feel comfortable to come and safe to come. Uh, we need a leadership team. Uh, MOPS needs uh, to be part of the ethos of the church, which is love God and love others. We don't want to implement the ministry if it's just about putting bums on seats. It, it, it's got to be about uh, helping people in the community to experience the God we know. I read... Um, just yesterday, um, in one of my Bible studies, it said that God, um, Jesus is everything God created people to be. And, you know, I, I love that and I want people to experience Jesus. And, and, and if that in part is through something that he's given me, a gift or a, or a, a character that he's given me, um, th- then, then I, want to be, I want to be part of that. I want, I want people to know. Um, for the members, uh, using our own gifts and strengths in, in, in some way. MOPS needs a leadership team. Um, I certainly can't do it on my own. Um, I do have skills as a, a teacher with an early childhood major. Um, I have done a fair bit of work with parents and um, mentoring parents within their own home, but I don't know everything. I have no ability in craft whatsoever. <laughs> um, money matters, yeah, I could do that, but you know, if somebody's great with, with, uh, with sums and figures, then that would even be better. 
Uh, we need a minimum of four team leaders to start off with. So if, if you're thinking to yourself, I've got some skills and uh, I want to be a part of this, that, that would be great for you to pray about. Um, we need a coordinator, mentors. Obviously, when the, you know, when the, the mums come, we need people to be sitting at tables um, sharing um, their life's experiences in love. Uh, we need discussion group leaders, financial team leader, hospitality leader, somebody who can make some cookies and bickies and serve some, some, uh, some cups of tea, a creative activities team leader, that's the craft, and a moppets leader, so somebody who feels that they can um, care for the children with love. Mops is designed for mothers, and I've already said that uh, mothers of preschools for mothers of preschoolers. Um, so once once we have a, a, a grand group um, happening here at uh, Golden Bay, uh, then the people who have initiated the thought uh, will pull back and be supporters, and hopefully the mums will be a plenty and they'll take on leadership team uh, uh, positions themselves. So, uh, loving God, loving people. That's our motto. Do we believe it? Do we want to live it? Um, or is it just something that looks really great underneath our logo? We've got custodial parents in our community, grandparents who need some help. We want the mums to come along so that they can impact their families in a positive way. We've got FIFO families, those, those men and women that lead their families and they just need a little bit of support. We've got exhausted parents, we've got single mums, we've got single dads, we've got uh, single grandparents, we've got foster parents. They just uh, need some help with parenting, they need some help with um, encouraging so that they know that everything's okay our single parents, we've got migrant parents and we've got very, very young parents and this is all in our community. So I have um, a, a scripture reading from Colossians that um, I think is quite pertinent to to what we're trying to, to achieve here. It says... In Colossians 4, 5 to 6, be wise in the way you respond towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. And to me, this epitomises what um, we want to do here. You know, we, we want to respond to outsiders who aren't members of, of Christ's family yet. We, we want to respond to them so that they can um, have an opportunity to know exactly what being a member of Christ's family is all about. Take every opportunity. Let's give out some cards with a smile, with a garden, you know, with a whatever we can, whatever we've got in ourselves. Let's 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 do everything we can. Every opportunity. This is on the uh, the Mops uh, Facebook site. It says sometimes the smallest steps in the right direction ends up being the biggest step of your life. This isn't just talking about us making a step to perhaps um, have a MOPS group here. It's also um, for those parents, those mums who don't have anybody to support them 
taking a step, and this might be their first step to a life um, that they want for their children, for a family they want for their children. Tiptoe if you must, but take the first step. I hope that, um, that you'll pray about it. It's, uh, it's certainly a passion of mine. Um, I can't do it on my own. And if, if it is something that the, the church feels that they'd like, a path they'd like to take, th- that would be awesome. Uh, you can come and see either Nick or myself. Um, just, I found this in a local um, free um, magazine that you get at, ho- at doctor's surgeries. And I picked this one up from the supermarket. It's uh, free to all parents. It gives people a lot of information about uh, child rearing and, um, you know, what's available to buy. But there's also a great big (laughs) one-page advertisement about mops and uh, join a a, a mops. Here's a phone number. Ring them up if you you need some help. So I thought that was very encouraging. And I picked that up at Secret Harbour. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. So, this is all about what we saw in today's passage. Seeing a need where the kingdom of God can make a difference to someone's life. The kingdom of God which was brought about on that weekend, ultimately. It's all possible because of what Jesus did. He enacted things before his death, but with his death... And his resurrection, the challenge is now ours to to share the kingdom of God with all those that we meet.